Welcome to Daisy Us Productions, featuring conscious living interviews. I'm your host, Daisy Oz. Welcome to Daisy Oz Productions in Studio 7. This week, I am so grateful to be interviewing Mona Delfino with Sacred Reconnections. She is a born shaman, an author, and a world-renowned energy medicine practitioner of 40 years. Mona is well-versed in spirituality and quantum healing, teaching the art of alchemy, as within, so without. Her work has helped heal thousands over the years, as well as working for Mother Earth. Mona is an accomplished, accredited metaphysician and an extraordinary healer. She has a remarkable track record for healing in multidimensional chakric balancing and alignment. She clears negative attachments and blockages from present as well as past lives to enhance auric vibrancy and the health of the body, mind, and spirit. And one of her specialties, and she even wrote a book on it, is the sacred language of the human body. I welcome you with high honors, Mona Delfino. Oh, thank you, Daisy. It's good to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. Yes, just reading that, I think, aligned me. <laughs> wow, you are well, quite an accomplished. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, it's all done. <laughs> all right, bye. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm curious, as a shaman, Earth Day just passed us here. Uh, how did you celebrate that day? Oh, you know, basically you live it. You, you don't, you don't just like take one day and say, oh, I'm going to have a home ceremony. <laughs> you live what that is. And so when you're doing this, you know what day it is. It's, it's an earth day is a, is a kind of a, it's a human thing. People have acknowledged the earth on one day, which is fantastic. I mean, that's great. At least people are really paying attention, right? But if we can do that 365 days of the year, then uh, then we know that, you know, we're in good hands and uh, she's always here to help. I mean, it goes from plant medicine all the way to every kind of totem you can imagine. And, you know, we just have to live um, in such a way that we appreciate her as a connection, not just uh, there's the earth and here's me, you know, we are one unit. So we got to connect that way. And if we do that, then you start developing more signs from the earth. She will actually give you more signs. Like I was walking my dogs this morning and one of my big signs is when I see ravens, ravens. are. Oh, I love ravens. I do so too. They were circling around me. I've had several ceremonies where ravens are just like right there. And so it's pretty cool stuff, but every day, every single day, you know, you can just let go and, and appreciate what she does for us. Appreciate the ground you walk on. Just this, that alone is a pretty big step for you. I always say everything I have on everything I take in eat and drink. And in this room, everything is from her. Yeah. We don't have anything without mother, really. Right. Yeah. And the flowers are here to help us to understand our emotionals. And, you know, I mean, if you really stop and look at the whole thing, we have all the medicine right here. Yes. We have it all right here. And, and a lot of times we have to remember that uh, our emotions and our mental thoughts and our emotions that we carry for many, many years as patterns 
they are sometimes the blockage that stop us from moving forward. And so a lot of times we get to those points where we have to stop and really think about what's going on or our bodies will feel it. You stop know? and smell the roses. Stop and smell the roses. There you go. And the poppies. <laughs> We've got lots of poppies here. So it was interesting as you were speaking, I remember a shaman telling me, I think it was Jamie Meyer talking about the science of the signs. He said it, there is science to where when you do start looking out um, into nature or into our world, it responds back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every time, every single time. Uh, there are times I, I have done retreats for a long time. And when I have my retreat people, I like to teach them how to connect with the trees and I have them pick one tree. And then I say, just, you know, we'll, we'll be in a forest or maybe at Mount Shasta or something. I'll pick one tree. And when they do, they sit back and they go, okay, now what? And I go, tell the tree in within your mind, tell the tree something you want the tree to know, something you feel. If it could be anything, you don't judge it. You just tell the tree something you want to tell it. It literally talks back. They've had sessions where people go, oh my God, you know, I mean, I heard this message come back to me because you've closed your eyes and you paid attention. You were conscious of it. Nice. And so all, we, all it takes is our consciousness. It really does. Our awareness, our consciousness, it's yeah. all part of the big picture. And if we don't have that in the moment, then we really don't know what we're doing. We, we just kind of flop around, you know? Yeah. Besides, it's, it's fun talking to trees. It's fun to commune with nature. It really is. Really, it's part of the Qigong thing with, with wood, you know. And, and when you put your foot on wood, you know, Qigong, you know, you actually have to raise your vibration from the wood. And then you just pay, take everything out of your body. Mm. And that's sometimes it just takes your foot on a piece of wood to do that. Um, but it, it's a method. And the nice part is, is when it comes to trees, they're so easy and they love us. They just, that's what they're here for. They're here to take care of us, you know, to stop the pollution from being uh, crazy yes. in our world. To really understand that, you know, with the wind and the earth and the sky and all of the elements that go with it, we're one big unit. Yes. Mother Earth's lungs, basically. Absolutely. So let's okay. back up a little bit, Mona. You began helping people and animals heal from a very early age. Can you take us back to those days? Oh, boy. Yeah, that was a long time. Well, when I was first, yeah, around three, four years old, mm -hmm. um, I first saw my, my grandmother uh, used to have, um, she had heart problems, but we didn't always know that when we were little kids. And I remember her sitting in a chair and she was living with us for a while and she was knitting. And I remember looking at her ankles and they were really big. Her, both her ankles had gotten really big. So obviously that's water retention and possible heart problem there. So I turned around and I thought, that just doesn't look right. So I just ended up going up and, and rubbing her legs a little bit. And by the next day they were down like that, they were down. And I just, because it didn't look right to me. So I made it right. I made it look like what I wanted it to look like. And then, uh, and then they didn't talk about that in those days though. You couldn't really, you know, say anything to them they nobody wanted to talk about that could be too woo woo find some other reason what happened oh i slept better but with the other part about that is that you know there was a uh, we had a dog and the dog actually um came to me acting kind of hysterical 
And I was only four. And I remember going up to my mom, I said, what's wrong with Rocky? Well, Rocky is, you know, probably feeling the fact that I am going to have to get rid of him. You know, he was just a pup, you know, he was like a year old. And I thought, why would you want to do that? And immediately I started feeling like this adult in this baby body. I was feeling like an adult instead of feeling like, don't get rid of our dog. You know, it was more like, what do you mean you're getting rid of the dog? You know, <laughs> so, so she looked at me and the dog was just pleading with me. I could feel it. So I told the dog, I, I asked the dog for, uh, tell me what you're feeling. And he said, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave you. I want to be here. I, I have a job to do. I can play with you. I can have fun. He was pleading with me and he knew my energy versus my mother's. And then I turned around and I had to tell my mom, I said, mom, he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. He wants to stay here. She goes, well, we'll see about that. You know, mm -hmm. but I remember that being very strong at that time. And, and ever since, I mean, that was when I was four years old. I am 62 today. And my whole life has, my whole life has been related to animals and people and the earth and everything else you can possibly think of. Because in my work, um, I read energy. I was a massage therapist for 30 years. And before that, I was a, um, a nurse in the hospital and working as a GP uh, nurse for six years. And I've worked in nursing homes. I've worked all over the place. And, um, and every time I have an amazing experience from those pasts and I have story after story after story, you know, and then you just like, like in my world, you just pay attention. You pay attention to everything, you know, and you, you, you work from that direction. So you, you don't let anything slip by because you're consciously conscious, you yes. know, you're making awareness for yourself. So I can remember everything that I did in the past. And I can remember those people that I had for 30 years. I can remember everything I worked on. I can see somebody 20 years ago that I'd worked on and remember exactly what I worked on with them. It's just yeah. like that. That's how consciousness works. If you live in the moment, you don't have to lose memory on that. Um, but you learn, you learn from the memory. You don't hold on to it. You just learn from it. And when it comes back again, it's like, oh yeah, I remember you. I remember that, you know, but you don't attach to it. You just you just know, you know, that that's part of what you're doing in this world. Witnessing and viewing, basically. Big, yeah. So what kind of shamanism were you raised with, Mona? Well, um, I, I was an independent. I actually was born knowing God. I remember coming into my body at six months old. My brother, Danny, we had six kids in the family in California. And my brother, Danny, had died uh, just before his second birthday and he had a weak heart, but he was albino and him and I were like partners because he was only a year and a half older than me. So it's six months old. I was in a crib and I remember, I remember coming into my body and, and feeling like I was in my body. And I looked at my hands and I said, these will do. I remember looking at my hands and saying, this will, this will work. And I'm looking at this baby body, knowing I was an adult in this baby body. So I could see myself and go, these are cute, look at my little toes, you know? And I could feel that for myself when I was tiny. Um, and I remember my grandmother coming in and changing my diaper. I tried to get her attention. She wouldn't look at me, but little did I know that that was the time that my brother had just crossed. So my brother and I have this bond. We always will, we always will. Um, he was born, before me as an angel. He really was an angel. He was this beautiful albino, but he always had a hard time living here because of his heart. 
And then, so that's what he died of. He had to go in for heart surgery in Los Angeles in 1959 and he didn't make it. Um, but when he passed, I came alive. So we had a contract. Wow. So it was fascinating. That is, I love your stories. Wow. We could just make a whole series out of this. I know, right? <laughs> oh, oh boy. I not even touch them. Oh, you know, I was reading, um, researching some of what you do and your, your perspective. I really love your inside out approach. Um, prior to my productions, I wrote for a local publication and had a column called From the Inside Out. And I was talking about that mirrored concept or truth of how we and our field really work. And you've helped so many with this energy alchemy approach. Can you tell us more about this, the way that you approach the healing? It's, you know, I've been doing this a long time. So uh, when somebody calls, the first thing I do is I like to know them. I like them to, you know, kind of get to know them a little bit just by who they are and talking to them a little. And then uh, lots of times I'll say, so why are you calling? You know, and if they come out and they say, well, I heard about you on such and such and this show and that show. And then I've, I, I've, I was just drawn to you. I felt like then I said, all right, now tell me why you're calling. And I have to get them down to the nitty gritty. And then as soon as that happens, then if they don't know what's going on, they're lost, they've had problems. Maybe they've had an, uh, um, an addiction or they have had an adrenal gland problem, which actually end up, you know, causes autoimmune dysfunctions, whatever it might be. Um, I have the ability to go in and read that. It's kind of like Louise Hay when she put out that book, You Can Heal Your Life. Mm -hmm. You know, she had the probable cause and then she had, you know, your affirmation. But in my world, it's not like that. In my world, I go into the heart. I did meet Louise Hay, by the way, a long, long time ago. And I just knew, I thought we can be friends, you know, but she was amazing. But I thought, you know, that, that time, Time, it was really interesting. So what I do is I go into the heart when somebody calls. I go directly into the heart. I read the heart. They can't lie to me. They wouldn't want to. They don't even know what they're lying about if they try. And so I go in and I have to find what that cause is as to what's causing their problem. I, I look at the cause through their heart. And then their, their physical um, disabilities um, are the effect. That's the cause and the effect. So it always comes from the heart. The heart knows better than anything. And so because I can read it, I can tell you right off the bat, that's the, that's the problem. Most things are emotional. Most things are not let go of. And uh, then the mental mind tries to take over and it tries to, to steal away the information from the heart, but that doesn't work. And after a while you get bombarded with, you're gonna feel it or else kind of thing. And so people get sick a lot because they're not listening. That's the bottom line. You're right about paying attention to the heart. Uh, lots of studies with Heart Math Institute over a quarter century worth. Plus, like, I mean, reminds me of yeah. what Yogananda said, Paramahansa Yogananda. I started with him for my earlier studies in meditation way back. And he said, everything is happening in your heart, basically. So, yeah. Well, I'm a Heart Math coach and mentor and have been for the last six years. And I got. <laughs> I got initiated at that same time Greg Braden did. So we kind of laugh about that. Um, but, but it's interesting because um, it, was a, it was an interesting program and I love it very much. I think what they've taught people is incredible. It's fantastic. And how you can actually 
be in charge of your heart and you talk with your heart, your heart talks to you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't listen to the heart, it's very difficult to run around this world and expect things to happen because you're not in alignment. So the heart has a, you know, the heart generates the field and the, the field is three and a half feet outside your body. And so that's what some people call the aura, not an aura, it's an electromagnetic field. And so you might see color, you might see prana, things like that. But for the most part, it's, it's auras can't be measured, but electromagnetic energy can. So that's why they go with that. That's very science oriented. Um, but when they say that, it just means that what you're learning is that I have something else to share. There's more to the story. And I'm the one that found it. One of the big things I found is that there's a membrane around your electromagnetic field. And in that membrane is lots and lots and lots of memory. And it coincides to the memory of the heart. Now, not many people would tell you that, but that membrane coincides to the heart. So it means that what you're doing is you're figuring out your law of attraction. That's what happened. It's called the law of attraction. Once that happens, you start like, if you're not okay with yourself, you're having bad days and you're not getting better, then a lot of times you miss the opportunities that are coming your way. And if you do, then that means your vibe is still a little bit too low. And if your vibe is low, you're still going to con contact people, things, situations, loss of job, you know, loss of property, lots of, lots of animals, all these things happen when your vibe is low. And so what we have to do is learn to raise the vibration. And the way you do that is through the perception. The perception changes everything. If you see yourself as the same kind of person over and over and over again, then you're going to recreate the same field over and over again, even though, even though sky's the limit, you can have whatever you want. But if you only see yourself from a certain distance like that, then that's the way you're going to start living and you're going to continue to live, unfortunately. So we have to get out of the rut. And that's what changes the perspective is you start thinking differently. That's why they always use that term, think differently, change your life, you know. But it's true. It's true because you can attract things, you can change things. You know, we're, we're magical healers and we're magical creators and we can do whatever we want, especially if we're around other people that are feeling the same way then we have a tribe. Now, my tribes go back to Cherokee. And you asked me that question. They go back to Cherokee. And they, I'm also uh, um, initiated um, shaman with the Telemunca tribe in Costa Rica. Oh, there's only two of us. The one that's still there, Solomon, he's still there. And nobody knows where he is. They don't know how to reach him. But that's not what he's there for. He's not there to save the world. I happen to have a dream about him. When one night I had a dream about this person, never knew who he was. And that dream was so strong. And we were flying over the rainforest. And I remember just looking at him and he looked at me and we smiled at each other. And I thought, that's my twin. Wow. And he had, he was dark colored skin, almost black. He had an Afro. He had green paint under his eyes and he was a big man in this dream. So that told me he was a shaman. And then we flew down in that dream. We flew down to a, what I would call a grocery store that was, it was blue. It was on a corner and it was ready to fall down. It was a really old, old thing, but he got all these groceries. And then we walked out together and I walked behind him. Then I woke up. That dream was so strong and so significant. The next year, my daughter sold her house and uh, on the coast. And she said, mom, can I live with you for a while? I said, sure. So she lived with me for a little bit. And then to thank me, because she sold her house. She says, where do you want to go? 
let's let's plan a trip. What do you think? Where should we go? And I went, ooh, Costa Rica. <laughs> and she went, Costa Rica. I said, yeah, let's let's go to Costa Rica. That should be fun. She's a she's a traveler. She loves it. So we went, long story short, we went and we had a, um, the, the day that we got there, we had a taxi driver and he came over and I thought, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to see if he knows the shaman. So I asked him, I said, do you know who this shaman is here in, in Costa Rica? And he looked at me and he goes, oh, you're talking about the Bribri tribe up in the hills. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm talking about the shaman. I was taking a chance and he looked at me and he goes, nobody knows about him unless they dream about him. Oh, wow. I said, oh, he's calling me. So long story short, I went up to his house because Harry was the, the, the driver. He could speak both, you know, Spanish and English. So he was my, um, he could, you know, tell us what he was saying. And then it was really fun. So then I was initiated after 20, 21 full days initiation into the Telemaca tribe. And so it was the most amazing initiation you ever saw. It was amazing. He was, he would smoke a, a, a cigar like this and in the ashes, certain symbols would show up <gasps> and he goes, see, see, you know, and I would look at that and he said, God is you. And he looked at me like that, like, you know, and then he said, he said, look, and the number seven showed up in the ashes of the cigar. And then when I looked down on the ground, he had already had this, this chalky kind of a uh, man, kind of a stick figure mm -hmm. that he had painted on his uh, carport. But inside the heart, he had the number seven sitting off to the side of the heart. And then he showed me that he was smoking this for me. And then he said, see, and the number seven, and it was the same seven that was in the heart. It was the same kind of funny seven. It wasn't just a seven. Mm -hmm. It was a up and down. And there I saw it. And he goes, that tells you God is with you. And then, so I just kind of went, wow. And he, you know, but he did teach me a lot. And I learned the uh, Telemuncan way of of healing people and teaching people. And we have tools, you know, when you're with shamans like that and you work with these tools, they give you like an animal kidney and they don't tell you what kind of animal it is, but they give it to you as it's dry. So it's all dried up, but they said, this is what you want to use when you're doing your healing work. So they're true shaman, really true shaman. Um, but I've had a lot of experience with different tribes. Uh, grew up with a Laguna Indian uh, on, in, uh, New Mexico by the Acoma tribe. I grew up that way. So I, I, I know a lot about these tribes and I've studied them, but it's not just Native American. You know, I've also lived in Hawaii for three years and I learned from the best. I learned from uh, Papa K. Kepalino, which was fifth generation Kamehameha. And I learned how to be the traditional Lomi Lomi, ancient traditional Lomi Lomi instructor. Yes, and Dr. Charles talked about you working with Pele in Hawaii. Oh, big time. Yeah, Pele is Pele is my tutu. She's the grandmother. She's the one that she's the wisdom keeper. Yes, and, and I still love her so much. She talked to me when I got there. I had sold everything one year. I just sold everything. I had a major practice on the coast. I had my own healing clinic. I had everything. And I, I was called to Hawaii. I could just feel it. I, I, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. 
And nobody could explain Lomi Lomi to me. I never knew what that was. And so I had clients that were actually very rich people at the time, and they had bought a house in Hawaii, but they wanted me to help them sell their motorhome. So I did help them sell it. I told them who's going to come get it. I said, he's going to jiggle his pocket. He's going to have bald hair. He's going to be like five, seven. And he has the money to buy your motorhome. So don't sell it to him for a penny under 800,000. And he goes, hmm. well, okay, sure enough. And he says, where should I advertise it? I said, eBay. And he goes, eBay, nobody sells. I said, try it. <laughs> the guy came, he did it. The whole thing came out exactly as, as planned. And so to thank me for his gratitude, he asked me if I wanted to, um, if I liked his little hat that said Hilo Hawaii. And I said, sure, yeah, I like it. He goes, good, you want one? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll take one. He goes, what color you want? I'll take a red one. He goes, well, he says, you have to come to Hawaii to get it, young lady. And he throws out a first class ticket for me to come in October 14th. And that was in 2005. And he says, here's the first class ticket. It's round trip. And he said, you'll be staying with us. Sure enough. And then that's how I met Papa K. So that was in 2005. And my mentor from the Cherokee tribe had passed away that month. Wow. Oh, I mean, it just, it was this, the timing, the synchronicity there. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So it was a beautiful thing back in those days. And when you, when you learn from these other traditions too, it's just, you see a lot of the same aspects mm -hmm. yes. and uh, a lot of the same type of healing. Um, so, yeah. So I've just learned different types of healing through the shaman tribes, but, um, but I have my own, my own style. And now Love I it. just I read like a banshee. <laughs> it reminds me of Dr. Charles going, you know, with the metis, the mixed. I love this. And one thing I do like about Don Oscar also, Don Oscar Miro Quesada, is he does a cross-cultural shamanism. Mm -hmm. Trying to bridge the gap between, I think, some stagnancy, perhaps, of how it's viewed. You know, shamanism is evolving evolving but it's actually coming alive to a lot of people because my third book that i've got coming out is called shamanizing humanity nice oh hallelujah more because because the whole world is learning how to recognize some different changes and they know that the old world doesn't work anymore mm -hmm. they know it but we don't know how to move into the realistic shamanistic world we don't know how because we've never really been taught and so you don't have to be born shaman to know some of these energetic ways that's why we have people like bruce lipton and myself and many others who are teaching about the science of spirituality absolutely going back to pelly really quick i have a an, a question of my own to ask you of uh, do you also work with kali not very often uh not very often Okay. Uh, Pele and I are bonded and I was an old light kahuna from many, many, many lifetimes ago. Okay. So in this lifetime, I've, I've gathered it all to teach. For some reason, I've associated Kali with Pele in a sense of uh, extensions or sisters. They can be. Uh, one is destruction and the other one is not. Uh, although Pele can be. She can do anything she damn well chooses. Um, but, and that's why we need to respect the two things I've learned from her that matter the most are respect and permission. Yes. If you don't have both of those on any level, 
respect and permission, you're not living well. You've got to be in alignment to yourself first. You've got to respect yourself and you have to give yourself permission to, to listen, to heal, to do things. And if you give yourself permission, that means you're not forcing anything. This is what true aloha is. Aloha is about living right. It's about shaka. Don't worry so much, right? So, so that's the beauty of Hawaii. It teaches you so much if you listen. And it's simple. It's simple. But Pele told me when I was there in 2006, originally when I was there, oh boy, did she give me signs and say, oh man, um, she turned around and she said, um, I said, I said, Pele, I looked right at her. She's right in the crater, right? So I could feel her because I was taught by the Hawaiians that she is one bird. It, it looks like an aerodynamic seagull and it's flying like this over has a long tail. And that bird would come around only one, not the flock, but she would go into the crater and she'd go like this. And Papa told me a long time ago, that's Pele. Pele's waiting for you to talk to her. And whenever you see that bird, this is what you want to do. So the one time I asked her, I said, Pele, what can I do for you? She says, you can put me in your book. Came right out and said it. You can put me in your book. And then she said that it was very interesting because then she said 789,000 people have come to see me in the last couple of years. In that 789,000 people, not one has seen me. Wow. That was huge. So to me, it just, it just made me feel horrible for her. I just started crying because I thought she gives everything, you know, and nobody sees her. They don't know who she is. And the Hawaiians will dance to her and they'll have beautiful, oh my God, their voices and, and the way that they do their chants. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. But the truth is when we start learning more about her potentials of how she's willing to help us, she'll show us, she'll teach us, she'll bring a bird every single time. We can do the ha breath. You can do the ha breath. It's the same thing as the wind blowing. The ha breath is a healing thing. And you go, <sighs> if you think about it, Hawaii, aloha, mahalo, all the HA is in the language. So the HA is the ha breath. So the traditional ancient Hawaiian talks about when you do the ha breath four or five times on somebody's body, you're blowing the healing energies from the earth and from spirit into that body. You can heal it like that with breath. Well, I'm just fascinated with these ancient traditions and taking these and bringing them into today. How can uh, we, through that lens, make improvements? And if individuals start taking some of your principles and doing something with that, with your teachings, all these things you're talking about, what's the takeaway that would be the greatest help for our planet, for our loving planet? Living heaven on earth. That's the answer. Learning how to live true heaven on earth. Because we don't have to question anymore. We don't have to worry. We don't have to feel frightened. And we don't have to feel uh, penniless. We don't have to do any of that stuff. And that is all old 3D work. That's stuff that we've been, you know, controlled by over a lot of years. And so now, you know, we have been changing. We're in the age of Aquarius now. And so we're shifting all gears 
And now, you know, today you and I are doing this. This happens to be the full moon in Taurus. And it's also the sun conjunct Uranus, which means anything goes, you know, it means anything goes, open up, be ready. And so it's all about going from the old world to the new world. And if we don't do it within ourselves and give ourselves permission and respect to do it, then we're not going to be in alignment to what the new world brings us. It's, it's a new dimension. And the more we understand that, the more we can start feeling the energy changes. Awesome. Wow. Music to my ears. <laughs> How do people come into more of an experiential witness zone as such, like with themselves in a gnosis type of sense, instead of like what I call spiritual relativism, just talking, but an actual experience of having that experience of know thyself into that quantum that you're speaking of. Right. right. Well, you, you have to come from the heart, like we were talking about, and you've got to feel if you don't feel, then there's practices you can do to feel. One of the things I did with the Kids Summit here at the Shift Network, I did a, um, a thing for children where children, you know, they get caught up in their, in, but their imaginations are taking them everywhere, which is fantastic. Okay, <laughs> we don't ever want to stop a child with their imagination, but we want to actually say, show me, show me how to make that bug big. Show me how to do, you know, <laughs> tell me who your friend is. You know, these are the things we need to be doing with our children. But the nice part was I was teaching about how to feel. So if you take a word, and this is one, one thing I did, and I'll show you. This is one thing I did. I said, you can see a word in your mind's eye. Let's say like you want to, you want to, you want to think of the word kindness. Just think of the word kindness. And it can be this simple. And so you close your eyes, you think of the word kindness. I have them actually look at a stage and they're sitting down in the stage and it, the curtain opens up and the child's looking at the stage and sees kindness running across the stage. You know, so they make up the colors, they look at the, the way the letters are written, you know, it's really cool. And then a few minutes later, I say, now close your eyes again, take your hand, put it over your heart. Mm -hmm. And this time you're going to feel kindness. What does the feeling of kindness mean to you? So the way we start learning more is to start learning about our feelings and really pay attention to them. And it's not about bad feelings. It's not about holding on to the past and blaming people. That's not what this is. So what this is, is learning. What did you learn from that? You know, and how can you change it? And the way you flip it again is through perception and feeling. So mind and heart, perception, feeling. Wonderful. Well said. And what do you think about a shift in consciousness? Do you think that's happening? I think it's going to take us time because now we're into COVID and we're into shots and all kinds of things. And it's going to take us time because we're, we're still, unfortunately, we're still followers of a big corporation. And until we get to the point where we have to live individually and understand our worlds individually and learn how to heal yourself, learn how to understand what that means, you know, that each and every disease, every, everything has a reason. Everything has a reason. People get sick because of an emotional response that they haven't cleared. We haven't learned those lessons yet. So therefore the body doesn't know what to do with it. And it, it does all kinds of things. So you know, we're at a point now of, of learning how to shift that and change that because the universe says, please do come on people, get it together. But there's another part that the people are not. And so we have to go through these times right now. 
It doesn't mean it's going to stay there, but we have to learn. And sometimes we have to learn the hard way, you know, like all these shootings and things like that. Um, they, unfortunately, you know, that's what's coming up right now is that now we have to start thinking as a human race, what are we going to do about that? You know, are we going to live by our morals or are we going to have to make a law, you know, to, to help clear this? Most people who are not on the vibration of change, you know, and are mad at life, these are the ones we should be taking care of. These are the ones we should be paying attention to. These are good people with really, really hard raised lives. And they don't know what to do with them. I work on them and I know, I know. I, I have worked on people who have killed. I have worked on people who've been in jail. I've worked on a ton of people. And down deep inside, they're missing one big quality, love. Wow. They miss being loved and they don't know what that means. And so if they haven't been nurtured or haven't been loved by the outside world and they are only fighting for their lives, then they turn it out on somebody else. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but a lot of fear is involved in that. And, you know, but there's, you can heal anything, anything, you know, Daisy, you can heal addiction. When you start learning addiction, a lot of people know who uh, Joe Dispenza is. And Joe yeah. talks a lot about the brain, but, and that's true. We can talk about that, but for the most part, it's your decision. What comes down to is what is your decision? How do you want to live? What do you think yeah. is okay? Give yourself permission to live it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It does come down to mind over matter in a sense as well. And so easy. Yeah, it sounds so easy, but it is. It, it is. is after, yes. After you reach the field over and over and you're in the field, like Rumi said, there's a field. I'll meet you there. So yeah. with some practice of, of what yeah. that is, mm -hmm. it does become a little easier. Yeah. When you work with other people and you're around the same vibe, boy, there is nothing like that. And you are totally supported into this yes. amazing energy. And it just, we're two or more gathered, Jesus yes. said, there, so shall I be. And that is what we need to remember. You know, it's not just about people in general. It's about connection, connection, connection. That's how spirit works. That's what Jesus meant when he talked about we're two or more gathered. So there shall I be. It means what is your connection to the divine? How do you want to look at that? How do you want to live that? That's where you grow. That's where you prosper if you choose to do so. That's why people are you know, caught up in Christianity and prayer because it works for them. On some level, they believe that. So in their belief system is part of that connection. And then so is their ability to give permission to that belief system. Sooner or later though, that belief system is gonna crumble because as we grow and expand as humanity, then sooner or later, you're going to have challenges come up that aren't going to make sense. How come my prayer wasn't answered? How come this didn't happen? So then you have to look a little bit differently. You've yeah. got to look and see what else is going on. What's the law of attraction about here? You know, so when you start learning these things, it's what I teach. You start yes. learning these things. It's, it's amazing. People get it. They get it. And, and our, I, what I like to call our quantum beings, we're quite the interesting being. People need to remember is that healing isn't that hard. It just takes a lot of understanding. And that what that means is that we've been taught so long for you know certain ways of, of living. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've been taught many, many different ways. But now we're coming into sound therapy. We're coming into cymatics mm -hmm. again. We're coming into, you know, it's taking another turn into the alternative medicines, which should be the original medicines. Um, but now it's kind of interesting because people are going through a lot. 
they're going through a lot. One of the big things I'll mention here is about your breath. People don't realize the power in a breath. The breath is very significant to the human. And the reason that's important is because your thoughts, every time you breathe and you think and you breathe and you think, that's what creates a cellular pattern. If you get an aha moment and it feels good and you go, oh, you just changed your life because the breath has everything to do with cellular product. And again, that comes back to the first type of work with meditation and many of the shaman practices as well. All the ancient traditional practices, I would like to say, it starts with the breath. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so, you know, it's stuff like that where you actually can continue to uh, keep learning through your breath and, you know, and watch when you breathe, watch when you go, that means I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. Or, you know, it, you just watch your breath and, and watch how it goes. Most people hold their breath. And I'll tell you why, because they're confronted by the subconscious past. Hmm. Their subconscious past is haunting them. And, and they can't seem to let go of those particular patterns. They don't know how, and they don't even know sometimes what they are. Hmm. And so it gets caught in the lungs, it gets caught in the breath. And so when you take a deep breath, you go, oh, I can't breathe very well. I'm not taking a deep breath. Well, that's because you're holding on to all that past that doesn't exist anymore. And it sounds like coming into the heart as well. I mean, isn't heart math? I love what they say about breathing through the heart beautiful four seconds in four seconds out yeah yes yeah it's called coherence and that's i think a very simple way for people to start i've noticed that heart math has a lot of very basic tools and explanations visuals videos are showing of the actual quantum machine showing the energy coming out of the heart communion between others beautiful so it might yeah. be a, a good way to start i feel like they need somewhere to start they do, and, and that's very good. Uh, they can take classes. They can learn breathing work. They can learn all kinds of. There's enough out there right now that you know there really is no excuse. There's a yeah. lot of things out there today that were not there a couple years ago, and so we are changing. Yes, our consciousness is changing, but it's going to take time because we're one big world, and we've been living past lives. We're coming in. We have past lives to deal with. You know, and that's what causes us to be born here is that the past <laughs> life that we've had yeah. and then coming back, we forget that when we were in heaven on the other side, because I, I do a lot of spiritual work on the other side. Nice. I've died three times. I can tell you all that. But <laughs> so it's like when, when you come back, it's amazing because you know that you're not the same person. And then so, but when we, when we're babies and we're born back into this world, you think you're here for that particular reason that you, that you came back for from the other side. That's not the only reason you're here for. You know, you might think that. And then so you think like, I don't feel right in this world. I don't feel right. I, I don't feel like I'm accepted in this world. Change it. Quit feeling aching and change it. What you do is you be the, you be the leader. You be the one to, to be mm. that new independent human. You're not here to conform. And that's the beautiful part. And then you start finding your tribe when you realize you're not here to conform. Then you find other people that are in the same level you are, but they felt alone too. We're all a tribe. So, yes. you know, shamanism is the, the human race. We just have to learn to tribe up. 
Absolutely. And coming into that autonomy as you're speaking of, oh my goodness. And having, when you first get a taste of that, ordering yourself, ordering, uh, oh, well, here, let's just do it. All right, let's stop squandering around our, and, and trying to figure out what's going to happen here. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> I'm going to have to make it happen. So I know I've gone in and out of this kind of phase where, okay, all right, what's going on? I mean, I love my meditations. I could be in the dream world all day long, <laughs> but, it, and, and it, but affecting something from the outside that we desire to come in. Mm-hmm. Well, I like your phrase. I could be in a dream world all day long. The reason I like that is because what you're doing in shamanism is you are being the observer. And, and one of the things that's important to know is that you can't always attach to everything. It's like Rumi said, suffering is the root of all attachment. Yeah. So if people attach to things, they attach to what they think should be a certain way or attached to a person or attached to what that's an attachment. That is not living your truth. So, so again, it's a step back and that's called the observer. So with your experience of people that have reached to that field and that state, is there a, a blank spot that they reach before they manifest? Or is it different for everybody, basically? It's different for everybody, but I'll tell you, most people will start manifesting from that. They'll start manifesting because they won't be so attached to the outcome. Hmm. And that's why they always say, well, put your intention in, then let it go, you know, and then uh, spirit will deliver. And so, but, but it's, it's a matter of trust. And we don't have trust. A lot of people don't know what that means. That's a big one. That comes up in my journal. Mm-hmm. I ask the questions. I do uh, a lot of journaling. Pretty much heals everything for me. And, and the meditations and the communing with. Uh, I call it the all around. We are in the all around. <laughs> Better than the upside down. <laughs> I heard that too. We're in the upside down. <laughs> and one of the things I'm teaching right now, just to tell you. Sure. Is, uh, about people learning to love their darkness on some level, because here's the deal. In Hawaii, we have something called the kumulipo. And the kumulipo means everything comes from darkness. And even the light shines from the darkness. And if you don't have the darkness and you can't move on, you have to know the darkness. And we all have a dark night of the soul. We've all been through it. So we can't nudge it out and pretend it doesn't exist. We have to learn to be friends with it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to learn to understand that it's not dark or light, it just is. And then you decide for yourself how you want to live. But if you're not friends with yourself, you never get there. You never ever feel good about yourself. You always feel there's a, something wrong or there's a problem or you're never good enough. You know, I had a, last year, I could say probably 75% of my clientele, most of them didn't feel good enough in this world. Why? Because they weren't, they weren't getting jobs. They weren't having lovers and friends and they weren't doing everything they wanted and they kept feeling stopped. And so they, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you. Nothing. You know, we just have to change that perception. You can't keep looking outside and pretend it's all going to be hunky-dory. That's a big one there, Mona. Um, the not okay. Very big for a lot of people, including myself, keeping watch on that one. Jim Self is one out there talking about this, getting rid of the not okays in your field. Really love some of his teaching as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, the validation of self and coming back to loving the self, okay with self, 
And okay with the darkness, like you said. Well, a lot of people are, are scared and they're uncomfortable and they don't know what it means uh, to have a panic attack. They don't know what it means to not trust something and not feel okay about it. They don't know how that, they can only sense it. They can only sense that they don't feel good about something. And so, you know, my, my suggestion is go with the flow. In Hawaii, it's always about go with the flow. It doesn't mean right or wrong. It means listen, listen. And that is where the heart comes in. I, I feel bad today. You know, if you could get some of the people in the jail. So I started writing letters to men in jail when I was 13. Oh, good decided, for you. Wow. You know, I, I wanted to know who they were. I, I wasn't satisfied with just people going to jail. And I really didn't like when, when people were killed, you know, in jail or, or having yeah. some kind of gas chamber. It really upset oh, me. Yes. As a child, that's the kind of thing I, no way, you know. And the thing is, is that because we love life and we have to know what it's all about, we still don't know these things. But, you know, if you study people, it's like, you know, people who shoot people, they don't know who they're shooting. They don't know that that person was a goddess. They don't know that this person was helping people in cerebral palsy. They don't know who they're shooting. They just randomly shoot. And that's why this is such a, a troubled time right now, because these are people, but they wouldn't be in the way. They wouldn't be there if there wasn't some kind of agreement from the other side. Oh, sure. I've heard that and before. That, that's very important to understand. It is important. But it's a, it's a, it's, it's a reflection. Yes. It's a reflection. So the person who's shooting also is going to get for the rest of their lives, they have to feel what they've done. And they have to know, it's like with George Floyd, you know, and we can't mm -hmm. hide that anymore either. But obviously you saw how everybody reacted when the guy was guilty, you know? And so there's a lot of that going on, but you know, not to kill him, but to teach him, you know, do you realize what you've done? You know, my Cherokee mentor of 12 years uh, used to tell me, she'd say, you know, you don't want to harm. In, in, in the world of healing, it's do no harm first. Mm -hmm. But if somebody's coming after you and they're trying to attack you, you turn around. She says, you can shoot them in the knee, but don't shoot them in the heart. Don't shoot them in the chest. Don't shoot to kill. Sure. Shoot to make them realize what they've done or what they, what they're doing to you. And you are your own uh, temple. So you have to be, you know, mm -hmm. loving yourself enough to know that, but that's why we have such, um, uh, there's too many opinions right now. We don't so have enough know about guns <laughs> yes a lot of mental a lot of this is just heavily mental and coming back to what you said into the heart I think our minds are connected basically in a sense okay. and if we're getting thoughts they're not necessarily ours mm -hmm. so learning to observe and work with the mind getting also some science of how the mind works to me, I see that very clearly from what you're saying and then coming into the heart, clear, you know, getting into a zero point in your mind. But yes, all this drama goes on out there. We have to stay sane somehow. Sometimes people are going through so much. It's just very, sometimes it's hard to, you know, yeah. get them on track. But, you know, if you come from compassion and love, and yeah. you know, that's what heart math teaches too, is gratitude and compassion. Those are the highest forms of energy that we are familiar with. And gratitude wow. is the first thing that will come to us once we find something to be grateful for and mean it, not just say it. Yes. But when you mean what you're grateful for, 
then is, then you change the entire scenario. You don't have to meditate on it. You can do it in the moment. That's the beautiful part is that you can become more familiar and more aware yeah. of, of how to do that. And then uh, when push comes to shove and somebody challenges you, go to compassion and realize the reason I say that is because compassion is non-attachment, but it yeah. comes from the heart. See what yeah. I mean? So you can be feeling for that person. They must've had a bad day. Yes. And, and, and care for them. And, and it's a beautiful feeling that comes from that. My daughter does that for her boyfriend because sometimes he, he drives rather quickly and gets very upset in traffic. And, um, and she says, have you thought about what that person's going through today? Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, stop thinking about yourself. Let's talk about, you know, these people maybe are having a bad day. And I was so proud of her when she told me that I said, bingo, you know, cause that's the way you stop. And you realize that man might be a, you know, what an SOB, you know, and he's driving down the road and he's speeding and he's going around. First thing you think of is why you son of a gun, how come you passed me like that on the road? You know, but and when you stop and think about it, I say, not my problem. Right. Driving, not my problem. And I had an, an ex-husband that used to say that to me. He'd say, sounds like a personal problem to me. And I'd go, dang it, you're right. <laughs> so he would catch me on it. And he, if I would complain about something he did, he'd say, sounds like a personal problem to me. And I learned, I learned from that moment on, my God, he's right. Why do I expect other people to act like me? Why do I expect them to say the same things I should be saying? You know, right. So learn to stop coming from out there and start listening to what you're going through in here. And then if you can really be honest with yourself, you know, be integritous, be honest with yourself, start crying. If you have to give yeah. it a shot, yeah. it's not going to hurt. Slow down. That's what COVID is teaching us. Slow down. Learn Absolutely. This, you know, and so the more learn how creative you are too. learn, learn that you don't have to keep going through and being a robot for this world. You know, you are a co-creator and you can do these things just as well as other people. But you have to listen to yourself to follow that calling, whatever that might be. And we're all going through a transition. So might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yes, there's some anxiety with that uh, that goes along in, in that creative world and creating your own passion or finding your passion or finding what you love and then making that happen. And I think there's a lot of people going through that as well, because it's a big change. It's a shift from that nine to five. Yeah, that's why we said trust versus fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fear is, if fear has a hold of you, learn how, learn your properties, learn about yourself, learn about, let ego work for you in this case, learn about how you can understand things for yourself differently, pat yourself on the back, give yourself some nurturing. Mm -hmm. Don't go back right away and think you have to do things a certain way. It's up to us. But if each individual learns their own way and tries to trust themselves in any scenario or situation, calm down. That will help your adrenals to slow down. That'll help you to trust yourself and it'll give you more creativity because you're gonna start getting those hormones rolling. So, you know, your serotonin will come in better. You'll be breathing deeper. Mm. So this is the benefit of what it means to, you know, learn from COVID. It's in yeah. COVID is not here anymore. It really isn't. It's, it's moving on um, in the astrological aspect. It's not really here much more. We're still, we're still up in arms because, you know, we're still afraid. So, you know, nobody wants hanging COVID. on to it. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is, it's, it's a fear resistance to change. Yeah. Human, a human dilemma. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, for all of us, for me too, I, I understand. I feel we all have to embrace the changes. The unknown, I guess, is what comes with that, especially with the extremities of today. Yes. And that's a Native American phrase is, you know, embrace the unknown because that's God or spirit working in your life. And the unknown is something that we can trust. Mona, it's such a pleasure speaking, hearing, hearing your stories. And I lost track of time, actually. (laughs) I'm sure it's pretty late. Just want to ask you one more thing. What kind of current or future projects are you working on? Or if any, are you working on to expand? Yes. Um, I'm working on getting to the point where I'm not working on individuals anymore. Okay. Um, Spirit is calling to either open a school or to do podcasts that can teach, 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 teach. Not always working on everybody anymore. I need to teach this so that people will learn how to do it themselves. And the more they do, the better off they're going to be because it comes from the inside out. So that's what I'm getting ready to do. I haven't done it yet, but I'm just getting ready. I'll probably still be working with the SHIP network for a while, but I want to make sure that I start moving on. And I do teach individually on my website. I have different types of energy medicine, and we also do um, certifications for people. Nice. And what is your website? Sacred Reconnections? SacredReconnections.com reconnections with an s on the end of it ah reconnections sacred reconnections well i'm sure anybody can put your name in mona delfino yeah it's out there. and <laughs> you'll pop up about <laughs> everywhere he says mom you're a brand <laughs> <laughs> well that is uh where you want to be as far as like this is how i look at the creative journey is that my daughter does branding she does logo work and graphic design mom you got to brand yourself you got to get branded. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? And I had to do all this technical stuff on top of it. And <laughs> you do. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Yeah. I don't do it. I let my other daughter handle that. She's so good. And I yeah. just like, yeah, oh, it, it would be so nice just to have a younger tech person or something like that. I call myself a turtle witted technological skills. That's what it is. <laughs> it might take them two minutes. It'll take me an hour to figure something oh, out. Uh, Mona, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I think we did really good today. And I'm very happy, Daisy, that you called me and that we got this going. And I just am so grateful. No, I'm I'm grateful. And we go from here. I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think we have too. I really appreciate your time and for allowing me to connect with you as well. And so thank you, honey. And then um, thank you, amazing Mona. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Scott Holmes, who provided the innovative interlude music. I'm Dizzy Oz. Thanks for listening to my Conscious Living interviews. Consider supporting me in my works by subscribing to my YouTube channel at Daisy Oz Productions. Also, you are welcome to contribute via PayPal on my website at daisyoz.com. And thank you to Dimitri Posudin, who provided the awesome theme music.